The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's the Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNenny. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19, verse 14. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny. I'm the week old mother-in-law and I'm going to be bringing you homeschool insights and delights from our household where God is present in the ordinary. And the ordinary in the blue-eyed cowboy household today is verging on the extraordinary as we come up against challenge after challenge, which I will share with you in just a bit. So steal yourselves. Each week, I cajole and tempt an unsuspecting, hugely fascinating person to join me for part of the show. I offer them social media exposure and a grand listening audience, and they come willingly to talk about aspects of family life, which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child rearing above their highest joy. This week, I am welcoming the daughter of a colleague of mine from way back who treads the waters of homeschooling for reasons some of us may not have considered. So stay tuned to hear Polly Wright talk about being cherished. I'm finishing off the deep Ellen blonde from the wedding keg. Not, I wish, but it's only noon. I have coffee on my desk and a piece of coconut cake on my plate and a picture of my son lounging in a hammock on a beach in the Cayman Islands on my iPhone. Heck, I only went to Rome for my honeymoon. Uh Uh-huh. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get this show on the road. This time, 10 days ago, I was waiting for my brother and his two boys to arrive for the big event. I still had a parish hall to decorate, a rehearsal and dinner to coordinate, a wedding to attend and a reception to socialize at not to mention three empty days in which to entertain my three house guests after all the festivities. Now, here I am, settled back into my life. All the pieces have been picked up, the sheets laundered and pool filled, and the last six months seem to have passed in the blink of an eye. Despite all the struggles, worries and concerns, advice, condolences and cheerful planning, the frustrations and stresses, we're on the other side. No one the worse for wear, at least... I don't think so. Everything went off like a charm because nearly all of us knew exactly how to behave. And a lot of stuff was done behind the scenes, including prayer, meditation and prayer. And you're going to be waiting a long time to find out who didn't know how to behave because mum's the word. As we were doing our devotions this morning, my gentle cowboy and I wondered if life, eternity and the McNenny wedding preparations were in any way comparable. Listen up as to why. Here we are in life, fretting and worrying, loving and hating, grieving, rejoicing, living the low or the high life, struggling, despairing, angering, resenting, fighting tooth and nail to get through life our way. We try to hang on to God. We try to surrender and let go of our lives. We try to trust in one stronger than any man on earth, but we fail. 
We take medicines for that knot in the pit of our stomachs. We pray to ease the pain of anxiety that wakes us in the middle of the night. We take our final breath, worried about what will happen when we're no longer around to control the roost. We gasp, will they be all right? And then it's finished. We have no more control over our earthly lives. We expire. And because of Christ and his sacrifice for us, we're admitted into life eternal, which has to be a whole lot better than here. Because I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be excited about living forever as an earthling. And since we are promised it's not like our life here, we draw a deep breath of relief. At least I do. We plow our way through life to reap the reward at the end. And in the end, we're told, we will be home in the familiar arms of our father. I feel, after the turmoil of the six-month preparations for the wedding, here I am once again in a familiar place where it's predictable, where it's safe, where I know who I am, where I'm going, at least for now, and who loves me. I've just been through a crisis, something that in Stephen ministry lingo would be counted as a loss. I've lost my son, my status as the only woman in his life that matters, and that I should allow myself to grieve. Granted, my crisis is one with a happy ending. Finding my footing after the slippery path of nuptial planning for a well-loved son and his lovely intended is a relief and sort of gives me a taste of heaven and an analogy for our fleeting, though difficult life before the glory of the ever after. It helps me to settle into each day knowing that I just have to get through this somehow with God's help, that fretting won't make it go by any faster, that learning how to chillax may be the answer and allowing God to be God right here and now as well as in paradise. And to add to that, that being the wedding and all its trimmings, I've not told you this yet. And in the telling, it may not happen. That seems the pattern of my life right now. A month ago, while we're still preparing for this wedding, in the space of two days, we had offers on our house in Dallas and our flat in London. The latter had been on the market for 18 months and had been dropped from the prayer list. I say that meaning mine, not God's, as is evident in the fact that out of the blue in came an offer just hours before the one on the house, which had been on the market a scant two weeks and was heartily being prayed about. Lesson number one, even if I drop the intent off my prayer list, God doesn't. He keeps working on it. Lesson number two, you don't have to keep praying about the same thing over and over again. Unlike humans, God gets it the first time. So watch out for what you've prayed forever. God has it covered and it may be answered way after you've forgotten all about it or given up. Anyway, back to the simultaneous sales. Everything was proceeding quite well in Dallas after the rabid negotiations we had to go through with our prospective buyer, an American missionary who'd been taken hostage by the Taliban in Afghanistan before 9-11 in 2001 and who is now married to an Iraqi Christian. Then on the heels of becoming a mother-in-law, we were told we were in stall mode on the house for some reason or another that wasn't being shared with us. Everything's now hanging in the balance. We had our tickets booked to England after closing here and we were ready to pursue the homeless path until God decided to intervene or at least make his presence known. I told my cowboy, who's not quite as gentle as he was at the beginning of this telling, that we're being called to practice obedience because God doesn't play games. He wants us to grow and be happy and enjoy our lives and his creation to the utmost. We put our thinking and negotiating hats on, not ones to sit on the side of the road and wait for Allah, and now have a pretty substantial plan B. But with all the aforementioned activities, this was all we needed. Finding God in the ordinary, that cracks me up. Extraordinary, more like. 
I'll let you know what happens. At the moment, everything on our end is going ahead. We have to have foundation work, pool replastering, and wood rot replaced. Then if it does fall through, we'll be all set for the next fire God has in the wings. And your remote sale from England. I mean, I've managed stranger things. Since we're not divine and can't see into the future, we have to trust, trust, trust. This is God slinging worksheets at us. All day Thursday last week, we spent decorating the parish hall up at church. I laid low at home for the morning to make cakes for the rehearsal dinner with the welcome help of my youngest nephew. Once I had those marinating in quantities of alcohol, I joined my cowboy and together we went off to collect ponies and kegs of beer and fetched up at the church to help with linen tablecloths and centrepieces that Dortz was working on. By the time we left, the elegantly draped tool and fairy lights, chair covers and bows and silver bling had transformed the very dull room into a fairyland. Later the next evening, the Spanish congregation stopped by the reception to ask if they could have the tool and the bows. When we'd finished, I could see quinceañeras dancing in their eyes. I don't think anyone has seen such a beautiful parish hall before. Good job, us. Never having been to a rehearsal at the church before, it seemed to me to be a bit of a waste of time for everyone except the bride and groomer and the bridesmaids and groomsmen that they could have managed. The organist didn't get a chance to practice her timing and chords. The soloist managed to practice before and after, and her voice was lovely. And the other members of the family, we just sat and sat, including my two young nephews who actually didn't sit and sit. They found the choir loft stairs to run up and down on and wheelchairs to do wheelies in outside in the narthex. But it only lasted an hour and a bit, and we were able to come home to our house for dinner with 35 close friends and family. Which stops me mid-sentence to comment that we were blessed as the parents of the groom to have the wedding in our hometown. I thought about it afterwards. There was too much going on to give it much consideration beforehand, obviously, because I hadn't thought about it before. But with my sons, I typically wouldn't have the pleasure of entertaining in my city unless the bride was from here, too. We chose the church, the priest, the reception, the venue... Ever since my children were really young, they'd always said they wanted Farnay, as they called Father René in their toddlership, to be their priest at their weddings. And it didn't occur to me that perhaps one of the prospective brides may have a special priest from her childhood too, but then they could concelebrate, I suppose. Having the dinner in my house was a treat not many groom's mothers have, and I appreciated it. The house looked its best and has always accommodated the numbers admirably and was praised highly. Why are you selling, was the frequent comment. I enlisted the help of Olive Garden and a couple of relatives and friends to pick up the food, set it out, make the punch and light candles, and it was so easy. The party was a huge success. My brother's boys thought they were meeting all of their American family, not realizing that most of the people there were friends. We didn't enlighten them because, in a way, they were all family. I spent some time with my Perry Poppins' daughter the next morning, who was in for the wedding. She was off to the hairdresser, but first she had to get up bright and early for a pedicure, pedicure, and she talked her blue-eyed dad into taking her so that um, he maybe would foot the bill. And then we rushed off for highlights, which took two hours, a lot longer than I anticipated. Luckily, my hairdresser's house is comfortable, and she fostered stray and abandoned dogs, so she had a litter of seven puppies who were four weeks old and adorable. They kept me amused when I tired of just sitting at home again. And with just a few hours before the wedding, I went for a final plain mother walk. And then I got ready and we had photos the minute we arrived at the church. Thank goodness I was looking my best. And I've got to go on a break now, so I'll be right back.
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. The Mary Beth Wells Hour is a talk radio show where we reach out, reach deep, and talk about topics of substance. We'll cover points of interest, such as World War II and the Holocaust, the Vietnam War, the planets and the oceans, skydiving, rock climbing, and much, much more. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we delve into and discuss fascinating subjects. It's a program to pique your interest for sure. Join host Kalen Amadio for Act Local, marketing for small business. Kalen helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kalen for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kalen will feature a new tip that you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. Act Local Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. My guest this week is Polly Wright, whom I met many years ago when I bought an original painting from her. She was probably 11. Our house boasts local artists' work, hers among it. While I was busy homeschooling my brood, homeschooling my brood, Polly was busy growing up. She's been married for 17 years, and she and her husband have beautiful twin girls. I reconnected with her mother about the time Polly and her husband accepted the challenge from God to start homeschooling their girls. Unbeknownst to her, God was slowly beginning to change their lives. In 2010, God called her to start We Are Cherished, a ministry that reaches out to women in the sex industry and provides the community they need when they're ready to leave and start the journey to break the chains of bondage through prayer and testimony. As you will hear, Polly is passionate for women to know their true worth and value and to discover who they were created to be. Polly, welcome to my show this afternoon. Thank you. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Great. Thank you. Well, good. Well, Polly, I haven't seen or spoken to you in probably 20 some odd years. Probably the last time was that piece of artwork that I spoke about just now. Do you still paint? 
I do still paint every once in a while. I'm kind of crazy busy now with the ministry, so mm-hmm. when yeah. I can get my hands on a brush, I try to. <laughs> well, good. Well, good. And I'm glad, I'm glad we managed to give you a little bit of encouragement back then when, we, when you were um, younger. We still like to buy local artists. So. Oh, I'm so glad. And I love how God knitted our hearts together so many years ago to where we are today. I love that. Yeah, I like that too. Well, a few years ago, I was surprised and happy to learn from your mum that you uh, started homeschooling your daughters. And I know that um, homeschooling wasn't anything in your past. So can you tell me why you and your husband made this decision? Absolutely. Um, We moved around. We lived in Dallas, um, started with our kids there, and then moved around to Colorado and then Chicago and then came back here um, and just really dove into what the world's view of, you know, growing up looks like and very involved in every sport, the right schools, the right um, just quote-unquote lifestyle um, mm-hmm. that we thought, you know, the world worldview was. So we were just so busy, and then um, I had some incredible friends. We started going to a church who just, these women just started pouring into me, and a few of them um, actually homeschooled, and I thought they were crazy. I'm like, are you kidding me? There's no mm-hmm. way I could do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but into a few years, God just really started um, speaking into my heart about just, you know, really embracing our family, because we we just were scattered everywhere, and um, and started looking at that and praying. And um, uh, when I, during praying, I was like, "Okay, God, you know, just I would love to hear a word from you if this is what you want us to do." Because I was pretty set on um, homeschooling. Our girls were in sixth grade, but homeschooling on seventh and eighth grade. And um, and he, I have a verse in my frame in my kitchen, and it says, "Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up your hands toward Him for the lives of your children." And it's Lamentations two nineteen. And when I saw that, I immediately knew, okay, this is what God is calling us to do. So we took the brave step and started homeschooling in seventh grade. <laughs> and, and and did you involve the girls in your decision? Very much so. Actually, one of them, um, Ryan, she was asking us. Um, if we would homeschool her because she was involved in tennis and playing four to five days a week um, in Dallas and we were driving there every single day to get her to practice mm-hmm. and um, and they just she was very interested in being homeschooled mm-hmm. so they were absolutely involved in the in the decision well good good because I know that when I was homeschooling my my children they were all very much younger so mm-hmm. um, they didn't have an awful lot of <laughs> decision making <laughs> yeah. with their babies um, yeah. They, uh, they, they joined a gym. They, they were gymnasts. And a couple of the, the children on their team were homeschooled simply because of the intense training that they were doing. Yeah. And it wouldn't, they wouldn't have been able to do it had they been at a regular school. And initially, that was the only exposure I had had to any kind of homeschooling. I didn't think that you did it for any other reasons than maybe to, you know, sort of um, teach a child that was extraordinarily gifted at something and they needed more time doing that. So... So that yeah. was interesting. Um, so you, you started homeschooling your girls, and were they were they all right coming out of school? Because by that time, they they probably made quite a little circle of friends. You know, you always hear about this socialization question. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now we joke. It's like, how do we unsocialize our children? That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. But um, they. Uh, it was a hard transition for Natalie, um, and for Ryan, she loved it. 
so um, the first year we kind of just really pulled back completely um, out of sports, out of, you know, just every activity we can be involved in. Mm-hmm. So um, the first year was a little difficult just transitioning, um, and we did a one-day-a-week outsource thing that they went to for science. And um, But then the second year we got involved in a home athletic association, a homeschool athletic association. My girls love to play volleyball. And that changed everything. Mm-hmm. So um, now that's what they're very involved in. And they're on the SDA board and they just, they've really found their niche. And after eighth grade, they were like, mom, we don't want to go back to school. We want we want to stay homeschooling. So they love it now. (laughs) So were you working? Did you have to give up a job? What what was your situation? I have have not um, worked. I have been fortunate enough to um, be a stay-at-home mom the whole time. So, Mm -hmm. um, yes, I did not work. So that was easy to, you know, adjust for me. Yeah, because a lot of homeschoolers, they have to weigh up the, you know, the financial thing because, you know, if they give up a a job, then... uh, you know, it gets a little bit tough for them. So you didn't have to do that. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, on some of the things that I've read um, from you, you say you believe our vulnerability is a beautiful fragrance to the Lord. I just loved that. I just love the way you word that. And when I searched for your Twitter handle, I read your profile. <laughs> and the first words on your profile are ex-stripper. Yes. And it stopped me in my tracks. It's very out there. It's very in your face. Okay. So tell me how and why you got caught up in that life. Okay. Um, it's, you know, being an, <laughs> being a former stripper, um, it doesn't just start where you just walk into a club and say, I'm going to be a dancer. Um, uh, I was sexually abused as a child at seven years old. And, um, that just kind of started the downward spiral of what I thought love was very twisted, um, and just not understanding exactly what it was. So, um, just the path that that took me down was, you know, drug addiction, more sexual promiscuity, um, just alcoholism, and just really searching to be filled um, by something other than truth. I did not believe in God. I hated God. How could a God so great have uh, let so many horrible things happen to a little girl? And so it was um, very confusing to me growing up uh, and just searching and searching for what I was created for was for love, but not knowing what that looked like. So after, you know, finally making it through high school, um, actually graduated on time, went to um, a college in East Texas at Stephen F. Austin, and I was excited I was going to get to start my life over, um, you know, be somebody new. And um, I was approached by a a quote-unquote friend of mine that I had gone to high school with, who was DJing at a strip club, and he said, hey, Polly, you could do this and make tons of money. Um, and it just seemed like a reasonable step for me. I, At this point in my mindset, I thought, okay, now I'm going to have control over men. These mm-hmm. men you know, won't be able to touch me um, unless I tell them. Mm-hmm. Or, and if they do, um, I get paid for it. So mm-hmm. it started a... Um, that's how I stepped into the strip club. <laughs> so, Okay, so backing up a little bit here. I read your book, mm-hmm. Cherished, Shattered Innocence, Restored Hope. Um, I, I don't know, really, I can't find the adjective um, that I can use to describe it because, I mean, it's a wonderful book and a very brave and well-written book, but not the kind of book that any mother would want 
her daughter to have written or to have had needed to have written. Okay. Um, and um, you said, you know, at seven, this happened to you. But I think I, I read there that the person said, don't say anything. So had you been able to talk to your parents, had you felt as though you'd been able to talk to your parents, do you think your path might have been different? Absolutely. I really do, because then I would have um, I would have had people who loved me like my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, she would have been aware of what was going on, and she could have protected me differently. You know, mm-hmm. um, had I been able to have a voice in that um, and it not taken from me, um, and, and just having those conversations open, I truly think that would have changed the path mm-hmm. um, just because it would have equipped other people to be able to help me. And shown you a different kind of love. Yes, correct. Yeah. So at seven years old, you're, you're handed this burden of keeping a secret. Mm. Um, and very often I wonder, do the adults who ask children to do that realize just, just what they're doing to that child? Or are they more, um, in, in, more concerned about what they're getting? I'm pretty sure it's, it, you know, I truly believe hurt people hurt people. Yeah. I believe the man that abused me was probably more than likely abused himself mm-hmm. um, or he was trapped in, you know, just pornography and, and drugs and things like that. Mm-hmm. That would even let a human mind think that doing this to a child would be okay. Yeah. So um, I can't even imagine a person having any idea of the ramifications of what would happen to this child or, you know, to me later on in life from that. Mm. And I I was going to say, typically when this happens to a young person, would that be the reason why they would enter into the sex industry? Yes. Is that what you see? Yes. um, The statistics are up to 95% of the women in the sex industry um, have been sexually abused as children. Mm. Um, You know, I would... I would say it's greater. The women we work with in the ministry, they, um, they've been sexually abused, every one of them. So um, just knowing that that's what's going on in the industry where people are thinking that women are just walking in mm-hmm. as, you know, oh, I think this will make me some money. You know, those are all lies. They're all very wounded walking into that mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. All right, Polly, we're getting ready to go on a really short break here. We'll be back in about 90 seconds. Um, And I'm talking to Polly Wright, a warrior for Christ, as she ministers to those women caught up in the sex industry in our city. And I'll be right back. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real-world coach for a reason. 
His no-nonsense style along with an innate ability to form connections with people gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. You will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Get ready for Wise Up Radio, leveraging your learning, leadership, and legacy with Donna Kimbrand, the edgy evolutionary, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. If you're an entrepreneurial leader or visionary, stay ahead of your game with insights, tools, and strategies that give you the thought leader's edge. Each week, join Donna and her guests as she'll ask the edgy questions, help you discover game-changing shortcuts to better thinking and learning, how to explore the ripple effects of leadership excellence and how to create your life as a living legacy where the legacy you leave is the life you live as thought leaders you need strategies to help you enjoy the confidence and thrill of riding the wave of rapid change for more on donna check out her website gamechangerthinking.com then join the conversation and sharpen up your wits on wise up radio with donna kimbrand tuesdays at 1 p.m eastern here on the rockstar radio network Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Polly, I know that you've probably experienced this. I I know I have, that... All kinds of men will hit on me, some men that I wouldn't even give a second glance to. And I think to myself, men have such greater self-esteems than women do. Why? Why do women, oh, they, they seem to have such low self-esteems and they buy into so much more than, than a man would. Do you find that? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> that's such an interesting, I love how you said glacier, <laughs> because that's so interesting to think about that for men. Um, I think there's this boldness in men just because there's this wanting to be strong and wanting to be um, desirable, and sometimes they have no clue what they're actually um giving out, you know, it's kind of like a, I'm, I want to, I'm, I want to win this battle. And that's what God has put in our men. Um, but the world has twisted it so much that they're walking in, in, in a false, um, security, I guess. And women's, you know, those low self-esteems is just, you know, you look at every magazine, you watch every single TV show, there's always some kind of um, innuendo or some kind of, if you don't act this way, if you don't look this way, um, you know, men aren't going to like you. And what's in us is to be desired and chased and, and pursued by man, you know, our true father, God, um, it, but to actually be pursued by him. So, it, it, you know, the enemy has just twisted it so much to where the men have these explosive egos, these women have low self-esteem, and when you put that together, it's, it's you know, it's like a tidal wave. It's not, and not good. <laughs> I know, and I was, I had my two young nephews over from um, England for the the wedding last week, and they play these games, and, and they're, they're fine. They're sort of properly rated, but 
the games, the comic books, the caricatures, all the women are just like, oh, I don't believe this. These, these are, you know, the clothes that they wear and the way they're drawn. It just starts at such a young age. It does. And it's, I mean, and it's grooming our young men and women to be addicted to pornography mm-hmm. because, you know, you see it as a slow fade of just every image. You know, once those images are put into our head, they cannot be removed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just I've had many where I'm just praying, God, please remove this image and replacing it with his truth and his mm-hmm. image. But our young children are seeing images that are distorting their minds so much that even in these quote-unquote innocent video games, you look at the women's chests and they're, you know, so drawn out of proportion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the expectations are set so different than what the, our young men are going to actually see in the women that they're pursuing to be their wives. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's, it's pretty twisted and we have to be so careful and just talk to our kids about it and ask questions. I ask my girls questions all the time. What do you think that song means? What do you think those images are trying to portray? Um, it's so important for our girls and our, and our young men and, um, to know that. And it's, even if we think they're too young to even know it, they're seeing it. So we, I really truly believe when I talk about that vulnerability, when we talk about that instead of shut the door on it, it opens up a communication with our children that are so important. Mm. Yeah. And, and you, you know, we, 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 we're always told to speak to our children, know where they are, know what they're doing all the time. Mm-hmm. And I did that with my children. But you get to a point where, where I did anyway, where, where my girls would say, Mom, we know that. Yes, we know. But our friends aren't like that. Or the boys I'm around aren't like that. You know, we say, you know, typically they're thinking about one thing because they're just wired differently to us. And, you know, they need to um, learn how to control this themselves and that. And she says, yes, I know that, but not my friends. And then all of a sudden she gets herself into a situation where she finds that I'm probably right and she's you know and I think it's so sad because they think they're in control they think they know what it's all about and then all of a sudden something happens and and they're caught completely off their guard and you can't be there all the time you know my youngest is 21 now I can she she makes her own choices I can't be there all the time right and that's you know and that's where that prayer you know, I love hearing you talk about your prayer. It's just so important that we just put our kids in his hands and go, mm. I've done what I could do. You know, I knew everything at 14. Mm. You know, I mean, I did. And <laughs> and it got me in so much trouble. And um, and just just being so confident in Christ and knowing, okay, God, I have I've spoken truth into my kids as much as I know and, and just releasing them. And it's so hard watching them make mistakes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So listening and reading about your life, was it frightening while you, while you, while you were going through that? Were oh, you brave? I mean, were you, were you really bold and you know, it didn't phase you or was it frightening? You know, that's an interesting question. I was very bold. I was very, um, you know, I was an only child. So, um, I just, I, there was a boldness in me. There was a strength in me that I could take on the world mm-hmm. and I can have control. 
And, man, it was such a front to what was truly going on inside of me, you know, to be able to sneak out of my window every single night, to be able to, you know, when I was 14, I, you know, had a horrific rape during a drug deal. And um, just just for me to be able to walk into those kind of situations, I think, takes a type of boldness. But on the inside of me, I was crumbling. I mean, the depression was huge, um, and it was it, it it definitely takes the boldness to, to walk in that, but but yeah. what was going on behind me was horrible. Yeah. I because I know me my personality, I could never walk into any kind of a situation like that. But maybe if I had had enough to drink, or maybe if I was taking drugs, you know, I don't right. know. But my life could wouldn't have well, my life didn't go that way because I didn't think I was I was brave enough. You know, I, I just wasn't as bold as some of my friends. So I, yeah. I was one of those that could watch it, read about it, but I didn't actually <laughs> ever want to do it. You know, <laughs> and, <good. laughs> uh, so I mean, that's that's what I think kept me safe. Plus, I firmly believe that my grandmother on my my father's side laid down prayer for me from the moment I was born because you know Polly I was in some situations and I thought I have no idea how I got out of that unscathed and it had to have been the prayer that she had laid down for me so I am such a great believer and it's I call it provenient prayer which is that prayer that goes ahead it goes laid down before your children as a pathway and uh, I knew I could I could see where I was touched by that um do you worry about your girls now? Okay, so you've got these, these girls, 17, right? Mm-hmm. 17 years old? Yes, and It makes you feel really old when you start oh, yeah. re- realizing how old your children are. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, are you, are you worried that something may happen to them? I mean, is any of this genetic, do you think? Or does it really, you said 95% of women are sexually abused as children who have who are in the sex industry so that that is five percent okay mm-hmm. that just go do it for the heck of it or maybe they don't know any different maybe that's life to them you know yeah. and that that's just the way it is do you worry about your girls absolutely um you know i do believe in the generational you know it's just you kind of like what you're talking about with your grandmother's prayer that you know just laying down that foundation for you and um you know, what I've walked through, where I've been, and what I've done, you know, there there's generational stuff there, but I have, you know, truly laid that and broken that off with the Lord, um, you know, just just changing a generation of saying, no more, you know, I mean, my girls walked through um, a large part of my life where I struggled with alcoholism um, and, and still had depression, so they were there, but now they've gotten to see what God has done in my life. And, um, you know, my husband and I walking in this, this strength together, and they're getting to see God transform a life completely. And they're watching within the ministry because they're a very big, vital part of the ministry. Um, these women that we walk with out of the industry, they're getting to see lives changed. Um, you know, they're very aware of the sex industry. They're very aware of um, trafficking and all that and just kind of the situations with drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in a year, they're juniors now. They'll be seniors. They're going to be going off to college. And they're going to be, you know, like your daughter, they're going to be making the choices um, they're themselves. And I just, I just pray that they make the right choices and that, choices aren't made for them, you know, that they're protected, um, from, from the evils that are out there. Mm. 
So, mm-hmm. yes, I do fear, absolutely, especially when I know what even is more is out there. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And um, and you can't you can't ever be complacent. You can't ever go, oh, I homeschool my children. They're they're fine. They're safe, because that's that's not true. And I think that's that's false too. That that's a lie as well. You've still got to be vigilant. You you know, every child has a different personality. You know, you've got four of them growing up in the same household with the same um, ethics and morals and and faith teaching going on. And all four of them will interpret that differently and go their own ways and use it their own way. And I just say to God, okay. They're yours, you know, <laughs> use them <laughs> however, however you can, but keep them safe. You know, have this little, little hedge around them of prayer. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about men in the industry. Okay. Because, okay. okay. So you take out the women, but the men are there. And I mean, are they evil or are they caught up also in sort of um, a warped view of, of what's going on? And we have just a couple of minutes before the next break, but I do want to okay. start this and we'll go into the next break. So talk Absolutely. about men. Yes, I, um, the men are, there's a reason why they're in the clubs too. There's a reason why they're purchasing sex. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I truly believe, I, we pray powerfully for the men. We cannot hate these men. We've got to love them just like God loves every one of his children. He, we hate the sin, love the sinner. Mm-hmm. So um, the traps that these men have been, you know, lured into the things they believe about women, you know, we're seeing it change by prayer and the power of prayer. We're seeing men actually step out of their addictions. You know, we always pray um, the captors are going to set the captives free, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that. And these men are also getting free from the, you know, chains of addiction and pornography and sexual addictions. Mm-hmm. And there's there's money in it too. And also it's been going on for thousands of years because, I mean, this kind of thing was going on in the Bible too. That's right. So it's it's not as if it's our, the times, you know. Right. Uh, You know, and uh, yeah, so the club owners too, I mean, are they, are they in it for the money or are they, have they just been in an addiction too, I suppose? They're absolutely in it for the money. They're, you know, it's, it's a business. There's Mm -hmm. several managers. I mean, that, you know, they have this sense of, um, I'm protecting these women. There's this hero mentality. Okay, well, we'll be right okay. back in just a moment, Polly, okay? Excellent. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you yearning to connect with those close to you who have passed on? Do you feel you'd be more at peace or more in balance in your life if you could only have that connection? Now you do. It's time for Alex Laws and the Alex Laws Hour. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Alex discovered an incredible balance that allowed him to listen and receive messages from the other side. Not your traditional psychic medium. Alex has spent the last 27 years as an endurance athlete and entrepreneur. At the core of Alex's abilities is his knowing that in order to open one's soul to the universe, one must open their heart to being authentic. The wisdom Alex has shared from those beyond the veil has helped at an international level. 
travel and change people's lives and sometimes, too, their direction in life. Need help with your life or business direction? Tap into the spiritual realm of Alex Laws. For more information, check out alexlaws.com. Then join us for the Alex Laws Hour with Alex Laws. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Do your friends and family speak the same spiritual language as you? Are you ready to embrace the life you truly desire? Are you ready to find the courage to listen to your intuition, embrace your ancient wisdom, and live an authentic life in joy? Join Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, Fridays at noon, Eastern Standard Time, on the Angel Radio Network, as she ignites the conversations you're longing to have. Grab a cup of tea, tune in, and finally find the answers you're looking for and the path of happiness you seek with an hour of Dishy Talk Radio for the Spiritually Hungry with Gail Carruthers, your spiritual girlfriend, here, Fridays at noon, on the Angel Radio Network, changing the world by enlightening the world, one radio show at a time. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. So, Polly, who led you to God? Um, I We were going to church in Lake Highlands. And um, let's see here. Oh, gosh. Well, from the very beginning, I guess my mother-in-law, um, Troy, she was a huge part of um, just loving me when we got, my husband and I, Rodney, got married in 96. Um, she just loved me for who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had kind of a very judgmental view of Christians, and she she just kept loving me. So that was kind of my first exposure to a loving God, mm-hmm. and then going to church um, on and off. Um, Rodney wanted us to start going, and I uh, was kind of very hesitant and didn't want to, <laughs> and uh, started going and just hearing his word, and so in 99, I came to know the Lord, and, and you know, just been escalating ever since. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad that your mother-in-law was able to do that for you, because mm-hmm. you know what? I have two boys, and did she know about, she knew about you, didn't she? Well, she didn't know my whole past. I, whole past. I okay. never really shared my past. I mean, she knew I had a hard past, but didn't mm-hmm. know the details. I didn't really, I never told anybody I was a stripper. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so embarrassed and humiliated and, mm-hmm. you know, fearful that people would not accept me. Yeah, judge you. So Exactly. Yeah, yeah, well... Well, I'm I'm so glad because I've just become a mother-in-law, and I uh, <laughs> I want to be the kind of mother-in-law that kind of helps my my daughter-in-law, not hinders her. So, yeah. so that's good. And um, so, tell us a little bit about your ministry, and um, you know where we can go find, you know, sort of about it, find out about it, and what you do. Yes, it's called We Are Cherished, and you can just go to wearecherished.com mm-hmm. um, to get information on it. And um, we're just, a min- not just, we are a ministry that reaches out to women in the sex industry. And we're a holistic ministry, so we do outreach into this, um, the strip clubs. There's about 55 in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and um, we take gifts uh, to the women in the clubs every month, and the gifts are lip gloss. Um, big fun and funky earrings or lotion and then there's a card in there 
that invites them to a Wednesday night dinner. Mm-hmm. So we have um, a place where we office out of, and it's actually a home that um, we use where we office out of. We have a boutique, but we also have our Wednesday night groups, dinner and groups there. And it's for women who um, have either been in the sex industry or who are um, currently in the sex industry, and we just say come and taste and see. Um, and we just love on the women right where they are. You could have um, never told me to leave the industry. So um, we we just just love on the women and then just encourage them and say, you know, there is something better if you want it. If not, you know, we're still here for you. Mm-hmm. So um, we just we have a mentor program. Uh, we. Ha- help with counseling, um, financial, just kind of a truly holistic walking with her and her family. We've seen marriages be restored because there's men that have let their wives dance for 12 to 15 years mm-hmm. and them carrying the shame and the guilt of, of allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, walking alongside these men also so they can be restored and who God mm-hmm. has called them to be. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just been so much fun to just love these women extravagantly mm-hmm. and no judgment, no condemnation, um, and just love and watch Christ because he's really good at doing it. If we just step out of the way and do what he's called us to do, yeah. we have seen lives change, and it's been amazing. We've walked with 18 women out of the sex industry in right. two years. That's fantastic. And you said that nobody could have talked you out of it. So what would you have done had somebody like your group, because you go in as a group, um, walked into your club and and given you um, a a gift? I probably would have just said, you have to be kidding me. You know, these Christian women trying to save me, you Mm -hmm. know, (laughs) and we get that sometimes, you know, but we're planting seeds. Mm -hmm. And there's been women who have said that who now come to our group. Um, So So do you go back to the same places or I suppose with 55 you might? We do. Every three months we we get to the same club. So we're not in that club every single month. Um, and we're not in there for very long because, you know, I was, I, I was drunk when I danced. So, and that was my job. So really it was just, you know, really we just give the gifts. They, if, and if they want to have any, if they have any questions, they can ask. We let them lead the conversation mm-hmm. because, you know, we're not there to embarrass or humiliate. We're just there to love and let them know that, you know, they're not alone. And if they need anything, we're there for them. Mm-hmm. Well, Polly, we've come to the end of our time. I'm going to have to have another conversation with you because I still have a whole page of things that I want to talk to you about. We didn't even touch on your book. She's written, <laughs> Polly's written a fabulous book called Cherished, Shattered Innocence, Restored Hope. And um, I've been talking to Polly Wright about her journey from bondage into freedom through prayer, testimony in the word of God. She's the author of the book that I just mentioned cherished i'll say it again shattered innocence restored hope you can find it on her website she speaks publicly about her life and the desire to see other women and men fully restored and redeemed and to know that there is freedom from the shame they carry and polly and her husband um of 17 years homeschool their twin girls and um she has a ministry called we are cherished and you just type in wearecherished.com and you'll find that and um we talked about her passion for women to know their true worth and value and to discuss who they were created to be. Thank you so much, Polly, for joining me today and for sharing your powerful story of freedom.
freedom through the love of God. You have a blessed weekend and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Vivian. I hope so too. Bye. Same, bye-bye. Well, that was powerful. And um, I would say you need to go and get the book. It's not very long. And um, I think you, your eyes may be opened and maybe we won't be quite so judgmental. I know I was when I saw her little bio at the bottom of her Twitter. And it, if I hadn't known Polly, I would not have followed her. But I do know her. So um, I do follow her. And, and the work that she does is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but you know, I'm on the dominating news of the week, which is the wedding, all about the wedding. I haven't spoken to you since it, before it happened. And um, instead of having incense at the actual mass, uh, we smoked up the sanctuary with the incense that it smelled all nice um, when we went in. And um, I was walked down the aisle um, before I knew where I was. And the bride was ready to make her grand entrance. And she did it to Rascal Flats, The Broken Road, brilliantly played by my son's friend and theatre person who was in from Austin on the organ. And some of my traditional church-going friends said they would not have been allowed to walk down the aisle to a country song. And I agreed, but both the priests at our church said yes, so yes it was. Farnay made the service very personal, saying that he'd known Simon since he was in utero. Everything was all about them. The blessings, the prayers, the peace. They even sat at the altar on their own. um, Well, they didn't sit, they knelt on their own previews for communion and at the sermon he talked to them about love and like and disappointment and life and including God in the tough times as well as the good comments about the best wedding service people had ever been to were sprinkled throughout the rest of the evening from guests and going for a full mass certainly does put the focus on God And in fact, my wedding card to the happy couple says, sometimes when two people find each other, it just makes your heart smile and say, wow, God is good. It's easy to see he decided you were meant to be and that his wonderful plan has brought you to this joyful day. Thanking God for what he has done and asking him to continue being especially good to you for a lifetime. My daughter said, I've never read a wedding card where God was thanked. The verse inside the card from Psalms was, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad indeed. And the happy couple are back on Sunday. And while they were enjoying the sun of the Cayman Islands in the timeshare, our departed friend Walter gave to them for their honeymoon. They decided to take advantage of a two-day free rental car. You know, there's always strings attached to those little deals. And their strings were attending a two-hour marketing presentation on the value of timeshare condos around the world. And so we got this email from our son that said, Dad, this is great, and only X number of dollars. And we raised our eyebrows and thought, they are every marketing person's dream consumer. Do we still do things that make our parentals wonder where our brains went? Well, I only have an in-law to consider my parents are singing in paradise right now and know what's in store. The reception in the fairy-lit tool-draped church hall was a huge success. Good food for Texans, barbecue, crisp white wine and sultry English-tasting local beer. The DJ was excellent and was a little bit older, so he could play a great mix of oldies and newies. And gosh, those theatre boys can dance. The girls were having a lot of fun up on the dance floor, and so were my nephews. At one point, they were the only two up dancing, and they didn't care. Everybody was looking at them. And afterwards, my my daughters, both my daughters and I, sat 
down and we talked about who was at the reception, who we knew and who we didn't know. And there were some people that none of us knew. They must have been friends or family from the other side. And when the newlyweds do return, I'm going to have to get them over to the house to ask some questions like, who was that family all dressed in suits and bow ties with the red hair? We had no idea who they were and they all looked the same, about six of them. And then what about the young couple with the baby we'd never seen? I mean, we only had one baby and we knew who she was, but this was another one. The guest book was a piece of driftwood Simon and his outdoor friends used to play with in the creek. He salvaged it, sanded it, and treated it, and set a couple of sharpies next to it on a decorated table in the narthex. And voila, the guest registry, Magnetti style. Not as easy to read as a book, but definitely in keeping with our artistic family. And the photo booth was a lot of fun. The bride's dad had made a large picture frame for standing behind. A camera was set on a tripod with a remote control and props were on a table. We had fun going in and taking zany pictures. And according to my youngest nephew, who knows these things, 475 pictures were taken. And I'm anxious to see some of them. That way we'll find out who some of these mystery guests are, I'm sure. And then sparklers at the end were given out. And um, we held up, we held them up so that they had a little pathway of sparklets to go through, um, to walk through. And they did it twice, second time for the photographer. And then they came back into the hall and started and helped us strike. So well trained. And I have come to the end. I have to leave you. I'm going to see if I can start packing some things up for our potential move out since we have the house on the market. I'm going to try to enjoy the leafiness of our trees in the back 40 and go for a picnic at the Arboretum with Dawson and her young charge that she nannies. And there's a Frightened Rabbit concert tomorrow night that she and her oldest brother are going to. I'll be back. Same time, same place next week. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest this week, Polly Wright, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Rosemary, Kathleen, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Why don't you stay tuned in all the time to Toginet and catch lots of great shows to glide you through your day. Take care and be safe. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian.